Hello and welcome. This is Self-Control, How to Build a Better Life. I'm your host, Patrick Strevens, and this is the podcast that inspires you to take control of your mind and your mindset to go forward and build a life that you want to live. It's something of a journey, this podcast. It's chronicling my journey towards peace of mind, and I hope it could be a part of your journey as well. Mid-century French writer Albert Camus said, Man is the only animal who refuses to be what he is. Now surely all of us are guilty of that to some extent, right? A practice of not being who we are. What could that mean? I mean, how often do you find yourself um, not focusing on the task at hand, mindlessly going through the motions, not aware of your breathing, not really too concerned about what's happening in the now and seemingly focused on what happened years ago or what's supposed to happen in the future. And that can lead to anxiety. How often do we find ourselves emotionally attached to or emotionally involved with external things, things that we have zero control over? A sports game, the actions of someone else in our life, how often do we find ourselves focusing on what we aren't, what we don't have, the things about ourselves that we don't like? Now, all these things are a recipe for anxiety, instability, and depression. And they take us away from being who we are. If we refuse to focus on the present, where we are, who we are right now in the moment, if we tend to or if we choose to focus on things that we have no control over, if we tend to focus on what we literally do not have or literally are not, these are all the ways that we, or some of the ways that we refuse to be ourselves. I want to talk about specifically those three thought patterns that I identified in myself that had to do with refusing to be me. And for years, in fact, perhaps all my life up to a certain point, and still now and again today, led me to poor mental health a lack of self-love and appreciation, and removed me from being an active participant in my own life. I wasn't living to the fullest, and I wasn't being me to the fullest. So, if you, the listener, have come here hoping for some insight towards how you may live a better life, as the name of this show would suggest, um, maybe you can identify some of these thought patterns in yourself, or similar thought patterns. You know, if you feel some sense of shame about where you are in life, uh, if you feel like you're not living up to your full potential, if you find it hard to be sell, uh, you know, satisfied, if you find it hard to uh, feel any sort of self-love or appreciation for yourself, you know, if you find that you're just kind of being with the sense that better is possible, but you're not sure how to get there, I would say that Let's go forward now and talk about these thought patterns and perhaps they can help as you journey towards that better life. So the number one thing, and I've spoken about it on this show, is this idea of mindlessness. Mindlessness, I kind of use that as the sort of antithesis or the, the opposite of mindfulness. And you hear a lot about mindfulness if you're in any amount of uh, you know, if you do any trotting in the communities online of, you know, self, self-betterment, self uh, you know, self-improvement, all that sort of stuff. This, the stuff that this show is kind of 
is taking part in, but is trying to do something a little different. Anyway, mindfulness is essentially living in the moment, right? Not focusing um, on anything other than the present moment. How do I feel in the moment? And a lot of that uh, is tied to this idea of awareness of our breathing, right? Deep breath in through the nose, hold for a moment, and deep breath out through the nose using the diaphragm to move the air. Your diaphragm sits just down below and in between your lungs, and that's the muscle that should be working to help you, or that's the muscle that works to make us breathe deeply and mindfully. But I mean, for years and still to this day, I was I, I struggled with mindfulness. I was a mindless, mindless, mindless man, focusing on things that I screwed up in the past, or even, you know, finding myself daydreaming on, on glories of the past, which again, a certain amount of that is okay. Maybe not when you're driving, or maybe not in the middle of a conversation with somebody else. But not focusing on the present task at hand, you know, even if you're standing there cutting carrots, you know, or peeling potatoes, or I don't know, giving your child a bath. You know, aren't those things, aren't those the simple, simple beauties of life that we ought to focus on? And especially if you're handling a sharp knife or handling a wet infant. <laughs> I, I guess I, I've said this before on the show, but I had I had a man named Jahan Satower uh, on my podcast earlier this year, and he spoke a lot about mindfulness and the importance of breathing. And so that is the number one step. If you find that you are going into a sort of anxious spiral where you are, um, again, not focusing on the task at hand, uh, you, you feel a, a, a you know a mild or medium or serious sense of dread about something that's not happening right in front of you right now in the moment, the first step would be to take control of your breathing. And what I found was this, this, this mindlessness, this, this sort of not being centered, not being present in the present, um, that leads to anxiety, you know, a feeling of, you know, there's gotta be something I was supposed to do. Wasn't there something I was doing? Is there a problem right now? Breathing is the first step to begin to break that, those intrusive, anxious thoughts, you know, because all of these things, anxiety, instability, depression, they they are, of course, we perceive them as being somewhat negative, but we can also perceive them as invitations or indications that there's something to explore about ourselves. And uh, perhaps when I get into this idea of ungratefulness, we, we could also say, you don't, if you feel negative emotion or negative physical, uh, you know, if you feel negative within yourself, in some way or another. Don't see it as a negative or as you have to crucify yourself and you're a bad person, but see it as a door opening to further understanding of yourself. But we'll, we'll go there in a little while. A phrase that I came up with and I, I mean, I have to share it. It's deal in the real. Okay, so if you're finding yourself in a mindless state where you're not focusing on the task at hand, you feel a vague sense of anxiety and you're not totally sure where you're going, breathe and focus and deal in the real. What does that mean? Well, for instance, as Dave Chappelle famously said, Twitter is not a real place. All the stuff that's going on on your phone is not real in any real sense. 
Of course, we make it real because it takes up root and residence in our mind. But it's not real. It's not there in your home. It's just words, pixels, light on a screen. The fact that you can shut it off and throw it (laughs) down the hallway, as I have done many times, proves that it's not real. Proves that you're giving it way more power over you uh, than, than it needs to have. And we could say that about a lot of digital mediums, right? Television. You know, so much on the news is designed to, to uh, I mean, to inform us, sure, but to also inflict a certain amount of fear, right? To, to draw from us, to beg from us subservience to that voice on the TV that says, this is the problem, this is what's going wrong, listen to us, we know, we'll keep you safe, just keep it tuned here. So, Deal in the real. I mean, what does that mean? Well, let's think about it. We're, we're talking here about refusing to be who we are. Okay, so if you find yourself mindless, if you find yourself not breathing, if you find yourself vaguely annoyed or worried or scared or anxious or depressed or angry about things that are not even happening, things that have already happened or things that may allegedly happen, breathe and focus. And deal in the real. What is at hand? What can I do? Now, if, you're, if you've got some free time, you could sit down and start writing. But like I said, if you're standing there chopping potatoes or bathing an infant, just maybe focus on that. You know, how does that potato or how does that baby feel in your hand? Look at the joy on that potato's face. Look at the beauty and wonder of that infant. You know? Or if you're driving down the road, feel the wheel in your hands. Look far, far down the road. I mean, keep looking right in front of you also, but have that wide field of vision. Lift up your chin. Feel that, feel the vision expand and the beauty of the world unfold right in front of you. And again, if you or sitting at home with some free time, or you're sitting in your cubicle not working, or because I'm sure all your work is finished. <laughs> then take a moment to center yourself, okay? Physically ground yourself. I can feel my feet on the floor. I can feel the breath going in and out of me. Then feel free to maybe do some writing about how you feel. And I, I've spoken a lot already, and I will continue to do so about uh, journaling. But even free-form writing too, or just point-form writing. Jot down how you feel and then jot down, okay, there seems to be some form of anxiety surrounding something I did last year that I'm not proud of. Well, I can't necessarily help you because I don't understand what's going on in your mind. But I would say that once you've grounded yourself, once you've centered yourself presently, then you can begin to project outward into the future about what you are going to do Because again, like I'm saying, this anxiety is inviting you to explore an idea. So let's explore the idea once we've removed the physical negative sensations around it. Or same thing, if there's there's a problem with something that happened in the past, you can begin to write about, um, write about how it's making you feel in the moment. But again, you need to separate out the needless anxiety and mindlessness first through breathing, and through focus.
And from there, you can clear the haze and begin to see yourself. Because again, so much of our anxiety is the problem-solving mechanism in our brain being loosed on the problems we do have. But it's unguided. When you feel that mindless anxiety, when you feel a vague sense of dread about something you did or something you're allegedly going to do, as I understand it, and again, all of this is coming from my point of view. I'm not an expert. I've not got any real uh, formal training on any of this stuff. I'm just speaking about my experiences here, hoping that perhaps they could help you. So much of that anxiety is the problem solving that our brain wants to do left unchecked. So accept that, understand that. Like, listen, obviously I've got a problem. Obviously I'm lingering on something I did that needs to be further explored. But there's no point in running it around in my head without coming to a conclusion. And there's definitely no point in doing it while I'm trying to do something else. Anxiety is the problem-solving mechanism in our brain. Loose, being loosed upon our problems, but it's unguided. And it's an invitation on you to harness it. So what I found was that I could control my anxiety if I would just control what I focused on and if I dealt in the real. If I focused first on exactly immediately what was at hand, took control of my breathing, focused on the immediate physical surroundings, and then I could begin to calmly, rationally project my plan for the future if I had to, or deal with some lingering guilt or anxiety about something that happened in the past. And you may even find that once you've taken control of your breathing, focused, centered yourself, you have a lot less negative emotion and, and negative feeling around those things. And I would even say, I, I wouldn't recommend this, but I last week my anxiety was starting to get bad again because I wasn't making time for exercise. I wasn't making time to meditate. I was very busy. I wasn't sleeping as well as I would have liked. It, my anxiety was running wild to the point where I'd be in the shower and I would be running over in my mind a conversation that I had at someone's house six weeks ago and then and then I went into some fantasy land where the conversation went where it didn't even go. It, like I was making something up in my mind. I was like I was playing a movie of a boring conversation that didn't happen in my in my mind. So I slapped myself in the face. Now, I'm not telling you to engage in self-abuse, but I I did find that that day and then for a few days following my mindlessness was so bad that a slap in the face every couple hours seemed to help. And I would just tell myself, look, you're thinking about stuff that is not even happening, stuff that's not even real. Again, I'm not saying you should do it, but sometimes a little corporal punishment when we don't like the way things are going seems to work. The second thought pattern I'd like to sort of break down that I discovered in myself, I gave it a word cathexis and cathexis is actually like it's a freudian term that means the emotional allocation or investment the investment or allocation of emotional energy into an object you know a physical material external object 
I'll keep this real simple. You are not your emotions. Emotions come and go within you. They do not define you. The sooner you can begin to reduce your emotional connection, your emotional investment to external things, to things over which you have no control, the better off you will begin to become. Now, admittedly, it would be hard to go from someone who is emotionally out of control, emotionally unstable, to just stopping because somebody on a podcast told you to do that. And I understand that there are varying degrees of emotional instability. I suppose what I would say, if you feel you have some amount of emotional control and need more, this would be a starting place. Try to distance yourself from emotional reaction to simple things. You know, practice on small things that you really should have no emotional control or emotional um, investment in. Uh, for instance, your sports team loses a game, a regular season game even. Look, I work for a professional sports team as a contractor. I love professional sports. I don't care what happens. I love the beauty of the game. I don't care what happens. It has no effect on my life. And you could say, okay, well, the more the more teams, my the more games the team that I work for wins, the more chance of playoffs, the more chance of more work. Fine. The point is, I love the game. I appreciate what goes on on the playing surface. I cannot, cannot, cannot get in any way worked up about the result of the game. And more so, I cannot get in any way even... I can't get even involved in or, or spend any time thinking about any of the off-ice, uh, off off-field kind of stuff. What players are saying what, what's going on on social media, what the fans think. To hell with all that. And, you know, that might be a good place to start. Like, if you engage in sports fandom or some kind of other fandom to do with, with anything in pop culture... See if you could even briefly remove your emotional attachment to like the creators or the players, you know, enjoy the art, fine, enjoy the, uh, the beauty of the game. Like I said, enjoy, enjoy that, which is the product being marketed to you, but don't necessarily feel like after the lights are off, you have to engage in some kind of, uh, you know, identification with what it is. So let me, let me slow down here a little bit. I, admittedly, I used to be a pretty emotionally unstable person, punched a lot of holes in a lot of walls. And what I later came to find out was that it was quite often a last straw, like the straw that broke the camel's back kind of scenario where, uh, and uh, again, it was probably related directly to the mindlessness, right? Years and years and years spent with many, many hours unfocused on who I actually was, what I was doing in the moment, living in the past, living in the future. And, you know, of course, when we're young, we have uh, less emotional control. We're more homo uh, more hormonal. And things are big and scary. And so, now again, if I and I was drinking and using marijuana more frequently, all of these things led to not having the control over my mind and therefore not having the control over my emotions. So I don't have a ton of insight on this yet, but I, I would say that if you find that you are emotionally 
uh, reacting, like you're having emotional outbursts to things that are potential, potentially small, like even like someone, someone cuts you off in traffic and it's like you weren't in ever any danger and you're, and you're yelling and screaming or you're punching holes in walls when your sports team loses or you're throwing the TV off the balcony. Rather than chastise yourself, rather than crucify yourself and say, I'm a big bad guy, I'm stupid, I, I'm out of control. Realize that this is an invitation. It's an invitation because it's an indication. If you're doing things that are <laughs> largely uh, frowned upon, and, and you know that they're wrong because you feel bad after you do them, like you physically don't feel well after punching a hole in the wall. You know, there's guilt, there's a possible broken knuckles. You got to buy a new TV now. All these things. But again, realize that this is your mind in some way offering you a hand and saying, look, listen, there's a big time problem here. And when, when a little thing goes wrong and sets you off, there's obviously some kind of underlying trauma. And again, this show is not psychological help. This show is not medical advice. If you are seriously anxious, if you are seriously emotionally unstable or you're clinically depressed, I'm not sure that this show can help beyond offering uh, some, some thought patterns to when you become stable enough to begin thinking on your own and begin taking some control for yourself, this then would look, I think this is what the next step would look like. The first step uh, may require assistance, it may require medication, I don't know. This, this show to me feels like it's the second step towards peace of mind, towards self-control once you've sort of locked the baseline in at a, at least manageable. So like I said, it would be hard for someone who's emotionally unstable and out of control to just stop because I told you that you should stop. But I would say if you know that you have emotional, you have poor control over your emotions Try practicing on small, simple things. Or even try practicing or try identifying where that is. Is it your sports team? Is it, you know, I can't stand when somebody changes lanes and passes me and then cuts me off again. Or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, that's a part of my life that's so far away. I can't think of great examples. But I would say just look inward at yourself and identify those moments where you're you feel that anger boil over is there someone who when they talk you just cannot stand to look at them okay well there might be a problem there with your own self-hate with your own self-image that you're projecting onto that person for instance but again that emotion don't let the emotion use you use the emotion as an indicator as an invitation to look within and again if you're wondering when all where all this like self-analysis is supposed to happen that's a good question because we've all got busy lives um, I made a lot of time this summer to sit and write and I would indicate or I should say I would invite you <laughs> here's your indication I'm inviting you to sit down and write about it or you know what if you're not a great writer start just a few point forms here like look today so-and-so was talking I began to get angry or I began to get, I began to feel just like this person is so stupid. I hate this person. Okay, so you're watching somebody t speak and you began to feel anger. You began to feel vitriol towards this person. Just a few more point forms. Why? What do you not like about this person, for instance? Now, or again, the road rage thing is great. 
I would also say a lot of road rage, I think, has to do with uh, poor posture. It goes back almost to the mindless thing, right? We're hunched over, our lungs, our diaphragm is compressed, our spine is curved, we may not be breathing, we're listening to the god-awful state of music today, we're listening to FM radio DJs talking, or you're listening to news, bad news, for instance. It's not an environment it's not an environment for mindfulness and for self-love. The, the inside of your car can definitely be made that way. So again, investing your emotions in things that you have no control over are a recipe for instability. They're a recipe for self-loathing. They're a recipe for depression. It goes back to this idea of dealing in the real. If you can't control it, you got to work towards not letting it control you. Now, the third and final thought pattern that I've identified in myself that was leading to poor mental health, I and I struggled on how exactly to, to frame it, how to name it, and I think there's a lot more to say about it, and we will going forward on the show. Let's call it today being ungrateful, being an ingrate. I have memories of my father saying to me, you're an ingrate. And it's like, oh, now my mother's going to hear this and say, oh, he he did not. He would never. Well, he did. And you know what? He might have been right. Because still, still to this day, like on a meta level, he was right. You know, like still to this day, it's very easy for me to get lost in what I don't have, right? When I say ungrateful, I mean it's like literally not being grateful for what you have and at first focusing on what it's not. So, as I said at the beginning, when we talk about not being who we are, isn't this like a prime example? Leading with what you don't have, focusing on who you're not, focusing on the things that you do that you don't like, the things that you're eventually going to change. You know, it's very easy to say, I don't have enough money. I don't derive enough sexual pleasure from my life, from my relationship. There's a problem there. I'm not going anywhere. I don't like the road I'm going down. I'm a degenerate addict. I do too much of the wrong stuff. All these things. It's very easy. It's very easy to identify. And and perhaps that is a part of being human. It's very easy to identify that which we don't like about ourselves. That which we don't have. That which we actually are not. I called it uh, in my writing for a while this idea of negational living. Negational view of our lives. And and look, a lot of it is valid and I would always, always caution you to when you have those thoughts, like think them through to the end. Again, a thought like that, a powerful thought like that, I don't have this, I don't get enough of this, I don't like where I am. Those are important thoughts to have and you need to have them. Now, the flip side is you you do have to exert some control and not just have this sort of obsessive, compulsive, intrusive, you know, uh, ecosystem of thought where you just roll around about what you're not. But again, if you have enough control to think those thoughts through to the end, think them for what they are, and then address them once you've grounded and centered yourself in the present when you have the time, that's different. But generally, why, why, why did I lead with what I wasn't, with what I didn't have? 
with the things that I failed on? Well, because I was an ingrate, <laughs> as my father would have said. You're an ingrate. He still says it. He's still around. <laughs> he hasn't said it lately because I'm working on being less of an ingrate. Generally, don't put negation. And when I say negation, what do I mean? Well, it's the opposite of positive, right? It's negation. It's seeing the lack, seeing the zero, seeing the void where there's nothing. You really want to always be looking into the void. You really always want to be seeing yourself as a collection of things that you're not. Well, then you're not seeing yourself, are you? You're living in fantasy land. Don't put negation first. Don't focus on what you're not or what you don't have. Take the time when you have the time to focus on what you want and how you're going to get it, but don't define yourself by what you're not is what I finally had to tell myself. Or worse, or worse, do not define yourself by somebody else, what somebody else is. I'm not like them. I don't have what they have. I don't look like they look doesn't matter. I don't get the same amount of views as that person. doesn't matter. Because you're not talking about yourself at that point, are you? It's a recipe for depression and it's a recipe for self-loathing. So what's the fix to being an ingrate? Start being great. G-R-A-T-E. <laughs> Start leading with gratitude. What do you have? What have you been given? What have you accomplished? What are you grateful for? What are you thankful for? This is not just for Thanksgiving. This is for every day of your life until you die. Me, I try to make time in the morning to pray, and I lead that prayer with gratitude. And if you need to to steal from me, go right ahead. What have you been given? What do you have? Look around in your life right now. What can you honestly say I'm grateful for? And here in the Northern Hemisphere and here in the West, we're in the coming into the depths of winter. It's almost the winter solstice. Shouldn't you be grateful that you have a warm house you know, the gas is on, the heat is on, electricity. Like, start from the bare bones. If you cannot be grateful for who you are, if there's a lot of work to do yet on your self-image, on your self-love, at least be grateful for the fact that you are alive in the most prosperous time in human history. There is no war. And again, there is war in certain parts of the world, but if you're blessed enough to not be there, be grateful for that. And you will find that when you start listing, I would think, I would hope, because I have found it to be true, that when you start listing off the things that you are grateful for, they multiply in your mind. I'm grateful for this podcast. I'm grateful for any of the people that are listening. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful also for clean drinking water. I'm grateful for the relationships I have in my life that my parents are still with me and healthy. I saw some great friends over the weekend. I work with people that I really, really love, like in a way that if they knew, would almost be weird. 
because we've been through, uh, through so much together. I'm grateful for my health that I at least have a few more years ahead of me. Hopefully many decades. I'm grateful for the talents I have, the hobbies I have. And if you then can get to there, if you can be grateful for the material things in your life, and if you can then begin to start thinking about, look, I'm grateful that I'm good with my hands. I'm grateful that I know how to please the opposite sex. Basic. I'm grateful that I know how to cook stir-fry. It may sound silly, but once you start seeing yourself for all the things you are, then the stuff that you're not, the stuff that you don't have, the stuff that you'll never be can take a back seat to it. And your mental health, I would think, could improve from there. See yourself for who you are. Don't be an ingrate. So, really appreciate you listening. I'm grateful. As a quick recap, three thought patterns in my mind that um, were leading to poor mental health, a lack of self-love, and, and removed me from being an active participant in my life. Ultimately, these thought patterns were taking me away from being who I am. Mindlessness. Not focusing on the task at hand, not breathing, not dealing in the real. If you find yourself in this state, mindless, distracted, take control of your breathing, focus on what is at hand in the moment, and if so, or if you have time, ground yourself, center yourself, and then begin to project rationally. Because again, anxiety is an invitation to solve some problems, but Sometimes we can't do the problem solving when we're giving a baby a bath or driving our car or cutting potatoes. Take those negative moments as invitations. But when it comes to mindlessness, become mindful, breathe, focus, and deal in the real. Number two was cathexis. The emotional investment into material things over which you have no control the sooner you can begin to reduce emotional connection to external things, the better off you will begin to become. Practice on small things that you shouldn't have emotional outbursts towards. Road rage, got to get that out of your life. Your sports team, what else? The actions of another person, the actions of a politician, the words of somebody on the radio or on a podcast. There's no need to get emotionally worked up about those things now it's easy to say but again practice practice start small your team loses ah so what turn the tv off and move on try it third and final thought pattern that was ruining my mental health was being an ingrate being ungrateful thinking first about what i didn't have or who i wasn't or how i failed the fix there is easy Make time to lead with gratitude. What are you grateful for? What are you happy to have? What is actually materially, physically, concretely real in your life that you can be happy for? I bet you'll find there's many. 
All of this stuff, when you have time, write it out or speak it out. Go stand in the backyard or go stand on the balcony and just speak it out to the sky. Get it out. Bring it to life. Clear the haze and begin to see who you are. Because you don't get to be anybody else but who you are. And if you're thinking yourself away from who you are, as I was, it's a recipe for anxiety, instability, depression, self-loathing, and you're not living the life you deserve. Okay? These thought patterns, these thought patterns that we engage in, they rob us of the joy we deserve in our life, and they take from us the life that we deserve. Thank you guys for listening. We're rolling along into the new year. Hope you have a great holiday season. Try and get one more episode out before the end of the year. We'll see. We've got some good interviews coming up in January. And until I speak with you again, please, please, please remember that better is possible.